This is Shonda Smith-Baker, and I am bringing a conversation with Tamika Jones of Lip Esteem. Tamika had come recommended to be on the podcast to share her very inspiring story and journey of discovery of herself, her own power, and her own creativity that moved into a brand that we all are becoming familiar with. Again, Lip Esteem. I hope that you appreciate the level of courage that it takes to go from dreaming to implementing her story of selling one tube of lipstick to opening up a storefront has been really remarkable to see. So here is Tamika Jones of Lip Esteem. You're listening to Conversations with Shonda, a Minneapolis Foundation podcast that unpacks the community's grittiest, most vexing problems hosted by Shonda Smith-Baker. I really appreciate you joining me on Conversations with Shonda. I have been watching all of the news on you, the evolution, the arc. I got to watch you on Amanda Brinkman's The Small Business Revolution. I think it was season six. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, when I interviewed Amanda, we talked about it because there's a scene that you had in that show that really struck me in terms of how the team handled it. They were going to name something or do something, and you all corrected. It was the logo. I think it was the logo. It was the it logo. felt like it was a learning moment. The marketing team thought that the logo was like geared toward Black women, that it would look like it was a Black product. And they thought that I wanted them to give me a logo that was more inclusive because they knew my numbers. They knew my stats, 60 60% of my customer base is white women, 40% are black and everyone else. And they thought that because of that, I wanted an inclusive logo, quote unquote, but I didn't. And I was sitting there while we're having the conversation thinking, how am I going to respond to this? I have to, re I'm on television. I'm very emotional because I feel like I have to do what they want me to do because they're helping me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to do, but I'm going to handle this the best way that I can that's going to make me proud as I leave this situation because I have to speak my truth. And I wasn't used to being able to speak my truth without feeling like there was going to be some type of repercussions, like I say in the show. And so I, I ex gently explained you want me to go on? Do you want me to say? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I love the story because, and I even love how you're going into it because there's so many women that I've talked to about what does it mean to be able to, the, the liberation that comes with being able to speak your truth. And there's a lot of people that are seeking that. Yeah. And so that I haven't been able to do that, which implies another story of your life. But then there's also the courage and the commitment of living through your vision that I think is an incredibly important element of, of what you're sharing here. So behind me is a picture of a, a woman and inside of uh, what the woman is looking like, looking at is butterflies and they're in a cage though. And so this is part of my journey. I have always been the type of person that asked people what they thought I should do, where they thought I should go. And at a certain point, I was like, I don't even know who I am because I keep getting outside perspectives about how I should be and move and show up in this world. And so I, uh, in 2014, I packed up my car because I was tired of the noise. Um, and I drove to California by myself. My gas meter didn't even work. But I knew I should probably every 300 miles gas up. Anyways, when I got to California, that's the first picture that I drew. And I, that was a reflection of me and how I felt. My dreams and visions, aspirations were caged up. Within a year after I was by myself, getting to learn myself, getting to know what I liked and didn't like, I drew this other picture, which is, which is behind me on this side. And it is butterflies that are out of the cage. So my logo now is a combination of the two. It's the woman but with the butterfly that's free. So when they said, hey, we want to change this, I'm like, oh, like this, you just don't know how this, what this means to me. Like, no. Yeah. And so I was able to express 
that there's many times where people have businesses and their logos don't reflect the image of every one of their customers. Wendy's is a white woman with red hair. That doesn't look like me, but I love a four for four. <laughs> I used to take my daughter to McDonald's. That's a white clown. That doesn't look like me, but if I like the product and it's a good mission and a good vision, why not? And and I was saying America's got to get over looking at products that have a black person on the front and say, oh, I can't use that because they're black. No, if it's good products, use it. Yeah, we do. I hear that. What I loved about it, too, was it was a moment where you could actually see the courage that it took for you to say it. This is my, mm-hmm. this is my me watching, right? My interpretation. Okay. Yeah. But I also saw Amanda learn in that moment, right? I saw the light bulbs of the team go off. Yeah. And my impression is that they were better as a result of you sharing your truth, not just for you. Yeah. But the way that they listen and engage, like from here on out, will just be different. Because yeah. you watch the worldview expand. Yes. Right? And if they've never thought about it on this, why would they think about it on this? And Yes. Yeah. And I respected and loved the situation. I already loved being on the show and having the production crew following me and all that stuff. That was already good. But that was the only scene I even cared about being on the show. Yeah. Every time they said we're on the editing floor, I said, but did you put that scene in? We can't tell you. And I'm like, I honestly, I don't care about nothing else. I need that to be there. And do you know the response I got from Black men was overwhelming. And Black women too, of just people in general. But Black men were calling me from down South, all kinds of stuff saying, thank you for my nieces, for my daughters, for my aunts, like, thank you for doing that. And I was like, I didn't even know. And so you started out in your career, you were a makeup artist and started making lipstick at home? Yeah, because I was furloughed. And so I was sitting at home twiddling my thumbs trying to figure out what was going on. And uh, between the media, social media, all these things, it was driving me a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So I said, I got to figure out a way to get out all the, the the feelings that I'm feeling, the anxiety, the pain. And I, I got to I gotta do something with my hands because I like to be creative. I'm an artist. And so I said, you know what? I have the time and the energy. I think it's time to start my lipstick company. So research, research, research. And then I start buying all of the ingredients to make a plant-based, gluten and cruelty-free lipstick line. Now, did my ingredients and my recipes come out properly and work? No. And so then I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so connected. I'm so, this is what I know I'm supposed to do. How do I pivot? Can I, how how do I come up with a plan B that I will still feel connected to if I'm not making them? And so I think, you know, at times as small business owners, we've got to change our plans and it doesn't make us a failure. It kind of makes us even more apt to being a boss by figuring out what's the plan B. I hear that. So when you describe yourself, how do you describe yourself? Are you, because you've said creative, you've been a makeup artist, you're an entrepreneur. Do you blend all of that? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, that's, that is partially all I, all I am. I'm a a child of God who's walking in her purpose, you know, um, a lover of people, a cheerleader for all, one who is community oriented and loves to try to figure out a way to make the world beautiful through the ashes. I'm strong. I'm a problem solver. It's many things to me. Have you owned um, the word entrepreneur and business owner? Have you fully embraced those two descriptions of yourself? Yes. Yes. This is not my first business. Years back, I developed a curriculum for girls, grades five through 12, to teach them about inner beauty versus outer beauty as I was in that makeup industry, I was like, what is wrong with women? Like, 
everybody's talking about their insecurities, but I see them as beautiful. So I don't get what is happening. So I was like, oh, adolescence. When girls go from, at first you can't stand boys to all of a sudden it matters what boys are thinking about every part of you. I said, I got to do something to teach young ladies how to feel better about themselves, that inner beauty versus outer beauty thing. So lady, leaders, achievers, determined youth was my first business. And I went into the schools and taught girls about inner versus outer beauty. And what led you into the field of beauty or the interest in beauty? So I've always loved makeup. My mom, grandma, they always had makeup and I would wear their foundation, which was probably three shades lighter than me. And so, but I loved it. Then probably in 2000, I took a class through Women Venture on women in non-traditional trades. And I became certified to be a construction worker. And so I start building houses and rehabbing houses in North and South Minneapolis. And then one day I was doing shingles and it was hot and it felt like the sun was staring me right in my face. And I got down off that roof and I never returned, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I went home. And soon after that, I asked God, God, what am I here for? I didn't understand what my purpose was at that time. And my daughter went to her school and she came back home and she, her and my mom brought me back a gift from a silent auction. And I opened it up and it was a makeup kit. One of those train cases kind of looked like a toolbox and, and there was lipsticks and all kinds of stuff. And it was like, right then I understood I could do makeup for a living because it's the same concept kind of as building a house. You're taking something that has a blank canvas or nothing and building it into something that's beautiful. And I can do it without being hot. (laughs) Without being hot. I had one summer, right? Like this church trip that you just reminded me of where we went to Mississippi Mm -hmm. to help build houses. And I got put on the roof because it was just abandoned home. Yeah. Like I was smaller, right, at, than the other folks at the time, right? So I, they had me rocking on those planks or whatever, yeah, doing the thing. And yeah, I lasted a good hour. Well, I tell you, it's not for the week. Mm-mm. Much, much respect to those out there doing that work to make yeah, our much and, and working and safe. So many women in the construction field now. I love to see that too. There are. It feels like, I mean, I just feel like we're in a place where there are so many people that are evolving past what they thought they were were capable of doing, they thought was available for them to do. Did you think it was available for you to do makeup full time and and be paid and and live a full life? It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily working out that way. And like I said, in 2014, I packed up my car because I was going to California to be a makeup artist to the stars. I mean, like that was, I was going. And so I really thought that that was the plan. Like I heard the makeup to the stars, you know? And so when I went there, I was on the set of Sesame Street for one day. And after that, I got no calls back. So I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And so I ended up, I have a bachelor's in youth development. So in the city that I was in, in California, I just decided to, well, this isn't working out. I'm going to just apply to work at a group home for girls. Worked at the group home. I mean, and these girls were, they had a lot of issues, right? And so one day I had this just great idea that I was going to bring my makeup kit and my curlers and all that stuff. And I was going to give the girls the makeovers that I had come to California to do. I worked at Glamour Shots, so I knew how to quickly... Do, 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 right? Yeah. So when I'm doing the makeovers on the girls, I hear so clearly, these are the stars that I was talking about. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So basically everybody is a star. Mm-hmm. And if we treat everyone as such. They shine. <laughs> yes, they'll shine. Right. And so that's how I try to go through life is like, Lip esteem, like building people, naturally a cheerleader, helping people see who they are, who they're created to be, and to cheer them on no matter what they're doing. 
Yeah. You know, especially during those formative years, formative years in times of challenge in people's lives, the messengers that come in your life matter for your next steps. Yeah. Yes, they do. I'm open to whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. I don't always have like these long-term plans and goals because it's just like, I'm so, I'm growing. Me personally, I'm growing with the growth of Lipesteam. I'm learning with my business. And so I just am open to whatever is supposed to happen every day. I just say, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to touch? How can I make this person feel better? Every lipstick, positivity over every single tube that goes out of there. Because everybody's going through something or everybody's facing different things in life. And at least they could feel better with a tube of lipstick or lip gloss. Mm -hmm. Because I forgot mine upstairs. I'm like, "Mm, I got my lip gloss. I'm like, I need a little color. (laughs) A little, just a little bit. I think that what you just said um, speaks, speaks to me because that's how I am in life. And I'm always sort of, I'm not doing it as much anymore, but I'm always explaining. So what people would say, well, what, what, what do you want to do in five years? What do you want to do in 10 years? Like, what's your next step? And I'm like, I just believe my next steps will be ordered. And the, you know, like I, I feel this sense of faith, right? That my role is to prepare. My role is to continue to learn. My role is, I don't have everything neatly mapped out. I'm not a I'm not a list maker, but I am a dreamer, right? Like you can, you can ask me stuff and I won't be able to tell you because I'm formulating all the time in my head, but there are people that are very committed to like my next step will be. And I'm probably the opposite of that, which I don't know. I mean, I'm just the opposite of it. It is what it is. I'm so the opposite of that because life has taught me better. Say more about that. Life doesn't always happen like you think that it should. And some things come about and you weren't even prepared for it. And it's also thinking about like comparison, comparing yourself to other people and thinking, oh, at this age, I should be here. And at this, and if I'm, and and if another person isn't, then they're not on the right track or they're less than. And it's just like, no, life is a specific journey for every single person and it doesn't show up the same I'm not married right and so when I was a teenager I thought for sure by 25 26 I would be a wife and you know um, a mom I was but it didn't happen so then what am I supposed to do go in the corner and crawl and cry yeah no I've learned that that's not part of my journey right now doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it won't ever be but I don't like to put those restraints on myself because I feel bound by them. And then if I feel bound, it's like trying to break out of jail. Like It's an uninspired way for me as well. And other people need it to like, like it's not like I won't have goals once I set my mind. Yeah. But I study or read this report a long time ago about folks, um, especially from a career perspective that like plan their steps. Yeah. Because they're so specific to the plan, they miss the outside opportunity right like they stay here and then all these other things can enter and they're so focused and then other folks are just planning and sometimes they will pass them up in terms of promotion or other things in the workplace and these folks are like what happened it was in my plan I did everything right but they missed the nuances they missed the opportunities they missed the relationships because they were they were their heads were down they weren't looking up to see all the all the things just like on real steps If you skip too many, you jump over a couple, you might fall. So you need every single one of them to help guide you to your final destination or your goal. That's why I was saying lip esteem, it's it's a new business. I've never done this before. I've never had my own brand before. So for too many expectations to be on me to do A, B, and C, I can't even say that that's how it's going to be because I'm learning as I go. And I am unapologetic about that. I love it. I was, you know, I was just talking to someone. I said, my goal, right? Like I've had two moments in life where it's like, my goal right now is to not have a goal. <laughs> 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 right? 
like everybody pushes to a goal. And I think a, a goal for me is to be happy and present in the moment. Yes. And yes. then if I'm always thinking ahead, it becomes more challenging to be satisfied with where you're at. So yes. I just want to sit in what is happening and, and, and learn from it and grow from it and appreciate it. And then that will take me where I need to go. Well, I think we uh, can agree to agree on I that. I think we're kindred spirits. Yeah. So how old is your business? How, how young is your business? My business is two years, seven months. So you opened a business during the pandemic? I did. I opened um, July 20, July 14th, 2020 was my first sale. So you're at home, you were on furlough, you are experimenting and then had to go to plan B. Yeah. And what was plan B? Plan B was to find a manufacturer who could create plant-based, gluten-free, cruelty-free, quality, long-wearing, moisturizing lipsticks. That Well, that was clear. <laughs> <laughs> that was specific and clear. And, so and I was not place? going to sacrifice any of those things. I needed all of it. I love it. So what, so you hadn't done this before? Not my own, no. I, but I've, I've sold everybody's. I've managed four high-end cosmetic lines. Okay. So I knew quality products. Did you know where to go? Mm-mm. I had no idea. So how did you figure that out? Well, when it's supposed to be, it'll be. And the other answer to that is Google. I was going to say, was it the Googles? <laughs> Google, research, sampling, mm -hmm. you know, all of those things mattered. I knew how I needed my lips to feel when I'm on Zoom calls. I knew, I knew how long I needed it to last throughout the day because we're busy. We don't have time to keep reapplying. And then we also don't want our lips to feel gross and like the stuff is balled up and cracked and all that and stuff. You're talking, you're like, oh, do I look weird? Like you're, you know, yeah. Lipistine gives you the confidence to go throughout your day knowing that your lipstick is still on, you're still moisturizing and you look great. And not only that, but the way I chose the colors is to make sure, because remember I did this during civil unrest and the pandemic and civil unrest. And my friends are very fair skinned and very deep, have very deep tones. But I was like, what can I do? I want to make sure that if Shonda can wear a color, can Nakima wear a color? Can they, can, when they see each other out and about, can they say, oh, you have on Rondo, huh? Or you have on Bougie, huh? Like, I want us to come together. So, in our prep, I was saying that I um, ran into your daughter at the Sani Foundation event. Yeah. And when I walked up, I think what I appreciated the most is before I could even say anything, there were two young women, you know, there. And they said, oh, this color would look great on you. And they pulled up the lipstick and like, this is the color you should get. Right. They were like, you would look fantastic in this. I have ambassadors all around the state who love the product who believe in the product and want to share with everyone what it is. It's so fun going to functions and people say, oh, look, look what I have. And then they just pour it out, pull, pull it out of their purses. That is everything to me because I never would have thought, I've never, I, I didn't really dream this. Right. So if someone would ask you five years, it wouldn't have been on your list. It was the pandemic and a number of moments that led you to that place while you were on furlough in your boredom saying, I need to do something creative. And out of listening to yourself, you emerged a business and a platform to help women feel more confident about how they show up in everyday life. Yes, ma'am. That's phenomenal. So it's 2020, you sell your first lipstick and then it just started moving quickly. Like, did it start, like, was it slow? Did it surpass your imagination? Because there's a lot of folks that are supporting entrepreneurs that will be listening. And there are folks that have seeds of ideas in their head that will be motivated by, by your story. So what happened was I yeah. started out on e-commerce with my website. 
I had built up the momentum and with people because I, I love, you know, posting things. And so when it launched, I sold like 200 tubes in two, two days. Right. So then it was like, OK, this is great. I did. Um, I, I went and did a vendor event. One of my good friends was supposed to do an event, but she couldn't go. And so Audra said, hey, Coach Val is doing this Zumba class. Would you like to go Target Field? Vendor. I said, I've never vendored before. What, do you, what does that mean? What, is it, what are you talking about? So Audra Robinson and, yes. and then Val. Coach Val. The, the Coach Val. I know Val's last name. She should pop me when she hears this and I can't call her. I know. Me too. Because I've known her forever. But anyway, go ahead. I accept Audra's invitation. But then I was like, she said, just take a table and a tent, a table and a tent. Girl, where do you get that from? So I put it on Facebook and I was like, look, you guys, anybody got a table or a tent or whatever? And then uh, a friend from uh, junior high said, I got both. Come on by and grab it. And then uh, my, my, my friend Chantel in St. Paul, who's running for school board, called and said, you need to have your own tent in your own table. Mm-hmm. And I got so irritated with her because I'm like, I know that, but I don't. You don't okay? have it. Chantel Allen. Chantel Allen. So I, so I got Amy's table and tent, but Chantel was like, come get this money so you can have your own. And so that's how that happened. I used Amy's first and then Chantel... Uh, purchased my second table and tent. And then from there, that Zumba class, one of the ladies that was Zumbing, Kia Allen, she said, hey, have you ever thought about selling at the farmer's market? I said, lipsticks at the farmer's market? No. She said, yeah, it's plant-based, gluten-free. They'd love it. So I went to the farmer's market right over there on uh, Minnehaha and 32nd, I think it was, the Midtown Farmer's Market. And these women were coming by getting their fruits and vegetables because at the time after civil unrest, everything was gone in that neighborhood as far as grocery stores. So the farmer's market was the place to be. So they came by and they were like, oh, I could use a new lipstick for my Zoom calls. I'm a CEO. I'm a teacher. We're all on Zoom. I need a new something because I'm in my pajamas and I really don't do much. So from there, they told their friend word of mouth, you know. Word of mouth and networking is uh, everything for small businesses. So that's what helped me to get the momentum. But also out of those women that were showing up, they were like, hey, have you heard of this grant? Have you heard of this opportunity? There's another pop-up event coming. So all of that was happening. Right place, right time, right season, right purpose, right plan. And that's You know, using and leveraging your network sometimes just expressing what you need and, you know, mm-hmm. the universe or God, you know, will provide for mm-hmm. you. Right? Like a closed mouth, don't get fed. Like all the things that you hear, mm-hmm. I just saying it, you put, put your need out there. And I think there's a lot of people, women in particular, that will need something and not say something because they see that as an expression of their inability to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice that you would give I have, I have, that has been my journey too. So like I said, I'm learning with Lipocene that I don't have all that I need all the time. So in order for me to be successful or to see myself grow or to not have the anxiety that I have, sometimes I got to reach out to people. And most people are looking for someone, looking for the opportunity to be a blessing to someone else or to help people. So in our minds, whatever that thing is, it's telling us we have to do it all by ourselves and figure it all out. That is a myth. And that is, that is trauma feeling like we have to do it all by ourselves. Reach out. Some people are really wanting to help, but like I also learned in retail, if they say no, all that means is next. One person can't do it, you go to the next person, but you don't stop after a no. Let's talk about the capital side of it. So it costs money to build a brand. Yes. 
Did you just have, you know, savings? Did you have investors? Like what, like if there were folks out there that wanted to help entrepreneurs from that point of view, what advice would you provide? So my journey in, in Lip Esteem has been bootstrapping all the way until January of this year. I have been, I took my COVID pay because I was getting paid twice as much during COVID sitting on my couch than I was when I was actually working. So I had a lot of savings. That's what I put into my brand. And then once I bought, sold those 200 tubes, I took that, flipped it and put it back. So I've been doing that the whole time. Now I've been wondering, why am I still a solopreneur? Well, it's because I haven't had the capital to be able to grow my team. And so that was really frustrating for me because one of the things that I was afraid of was banks, loans and things like that. And so I stayed clear of that. But I think that once you make your request known, then all of a sudden things start happening in the world and it comes down to believing in yourself and believing that you're gonna scale and grow. I was offered an opportunity to go in front of people through Kenya Aha, uh, introduced me to a program called the New Impact Fund. And they are, are, are venture capitalists that are a group and they're trying to help black businesses to scale. And I went in front of them, gave them my story and showed them all that they needed. And they were like, we want to support you. This is just in January of this year. I couldn't believe it. I didn't go looking for a bank. I didn't fill out a bank application, a loan, papers or anything. These people came to me. But then I had to learn how to do pro formas, balance sheets, all these things. That's why I said I'm growing every time lip esteem is growing. My yeah. mind is expanding too. So I would just say that, yes, putting your own money into your business is amazing. But sometimes it is hard. Most times it's going to be hard to scale and grow if you don't get additional funding. And that could come from grants too. Why were you scared of the, why were you afraid of banks and loans? I would just say probably, how do I say this? <laughs> say it like you thought it, because I already think I know what you were thinking. <laughs> I was going to say like generational trauma yep. surrounded yeah. with money. And yeah. also by me having a bachelor's, me sending my daughter to college, I had took out so many loans already. I'm like, no, not another one. I'm already struggling trying to pay back student loans. Yeah. So then to put extra on that, it was just, it was too hard. So I did everything I could to stay away from it and act like put on the mask that I'm okay. I've got my savings. Yeah. And, and I made a decent amount of money, but guess what? All that money went back into the business. So I really didn't have much to live off of. Yeah. The generational trauma related to money, related to, to banking systems, um, even the wives tell, right? Like I just, my grandmother, you'd be like, grandma, I need some money. She'd be like, I'd be right back. <laughs> you'd be like, wait, what, what shoe box did you have what that? You, like, grandma? you know, I mean, her living um, and being born in 1915 and, and coming through the depression and watching the failure of many systems on, on our community, there were things about that that she passed on to us. Yeah. Right. That um, you know, make sure you always have money in your like all the little things that she passed on to us that can stay in your head. And I think part of what the story you're sharing is all of those things that you were able to sort of move through that you are moving through, right? This isn't stagnant, but that you're moving through and redefining perhaps some of those lessons. You're understanding them for yourself and what they mean in today's terms for you. Yeah, I'm kicking my fears in their butt because I'm tired of being bound by false evidence appearing real. These are things that I don't even know are true. I just am been like either taught it or thought I saw it and it just 
it just made me scared. So I'm just not going to do it. And I'm just going to sit here and be comfortable, but be uncomfortable at the same time. No, I don't like being uncomfortable. I like being happy and free. I'm a free spirit. I like to stay that way. And so I have to face things that are really challenging for me. And I'm working through that. Yeah. If you had to share the one or two things that were sort of ahas for you along this journey, would you be able to express them? I think one of the biggest ahas for me was that I can break past limits, even my own self limits, um, the limits I've been telling myself. I can create generational wealth. My voice matters. My opinion matters. Um, and like this, I, again, I've had so much fear about things. Even I know people think, oh, Tamika is everywhere. Like she's, there must be three Tamikas. I used to be afraid to be in crowds. I used to be afraid to network. And that aha is just like, you can do anything that you put your mind to. So the aha was really the recognizing of your own strength and your own possibility, right? Mm -hmm. to, to the limits that you set on yourself. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so important because, you know, I sit in a lot of space where people are like, if we can just give this class on this thing, it will solve that problem. And I'm like, yeah. mm, that's just the technical side of it. But I think the the cultural side and um, the self the self deprivation, right? Like the the self saboteur, right? That sabotages yeah. before you can even get out. Before you can even act, you're already doubting, right? You're doubting. already seeding the doubt and the reasons why versus seeding the possibilities, and that is a practice. That is a behavior. That is something that you have to disrupt in your own mind every single time it comes up. Yes. I have to, I, I wake up and have to talk myself into not feeling the feelings of the moment. Mm -hmm. Like I could wake up and feel heavy and what is wrong, but my business is limp esteem and it's about feeling good. And if I don't, how can I give you my best if I'm not feeling my best? So I have to go like deep sometimes and like, what is, what is it? Figure it out because my new thing is like, today I'm going to have a great day. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about the women I'm going to meet or the men I'm going to meet. I'm excited that I can help someone feel better being here than when they came in. How did you get to the storefront? So you went from a tube to a few tubes to farmer's market to a storefront in two years. Or I spoke it into existence. So okay. when, I, when I received the application for the small business revolution, it came with a, a link to watch the other stories in previous seasons. When I watched the previous seasons, everyone had a storefront. And so I said to myself, the person who recommended me for this show must not know I'm in my kitchen. I'm not, I'm not in a storefront. And so I said, I'm not going to do this application. This small voice said, keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm like, keep going. So I'm writing out the application. It says, um, where's your storefront located? I'm like, see, I told you, you know, I'm <laughs> they ain't going to take me. I ain't got no storefront. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. I'm like, then another question was, what area of civil unrest, something like that, what area of civil unrest do you live in or something? I said, oh, I live in Dakota County. I live in an area of civil unrest. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, all right. Well, if I keep going, then you got to tell me what to say. So it said, where's your brick and mortar located? Wherever area of civil unrest, I said, look, I'm a Rondo born and raised young lady. I do not live there, nor do I have a storefront. But eventually, I want to have a storefront in Rondo. And that was three, two years ago. My daughter and I were filming on the street next door at Get Gorgeous, the salon. And 
my daughter walked outside and said, mom, the chiropractor office moved out. And I said, oh my God, that would be a perfect spot. Except I just signed a lease for a year somewhere down on university. And I said, they're not going to let me out that lease. She said, my daughter said, well, how do you know unless you ask them? I'm like, these dang kids always got something to say. Oh, but I do her mama. She believes in her mama. She's I like, this is our dream. <laughs> so I asked, they said, your spot is, your suite is so cute. It's not going to be hard to rent this out. Go ahead. And I said, what? So I contacted the landlord here and he said, you just don't know. I've been waiting for someone like you. Someone who has a vision, who's from Rondo, who's not trying to change the building. I would love for you to come here. I said, okay, awesome. Well, this is what color I want the walls and this is what color I want my floors to be. He said, oh, no, ma'am. That's your responsibility. I said, what? He said, yeah, this is, this is your space. And I said, well, the last space, they asked me what I wanted. He said, no. <laughs> I wasn't financially prepared to redo a storefront. So I had to do something I'd never done before. Ask people for money and crowdfund. That was me coming out of my shell again because I want to do everything on my own. Well, I, I, I realized I can't. So all those people who said, I want to support you. What do you need? They came through. And I really appreciate that people are supporting my vision. So that's how I ended up here. Just by mere circumstance, we looked to the right and it was available and we were a perfect fit. And now my store brings me so much joy every day. It brings my community joy. The women come over here and during Selby Jazz Fest or just walking down the street and they want to sit on my little window seat and look down the street. And that's what it's all about. We're not just a cosmetic line. We're a social enterprise and a community builder. How many Black women entrepreneurs were you exposed to as a young woman? My mother was my first. I think that's maybe why I can move through this space a little bit um, easier because I've, I've been a part of uh, my mom's diversity consulting business since I was 10. What have you learned from your mother? I think about the, the lessons we learn that sometimes we don't really reflect on, right? So she's, she was an entrepreneur. So you got you had a lens of observing that taught you something about her. My mom is fearless. She's creative. She's extremely brilliant. She can develop, she can write a book in a day and get it published. She, I mean, she's just extremely smart and she knows how to move. So I learned how to network from her. I just didn't like it. I hear that. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's been all over the world. I just appreciate being able to follow her, but also be a part of her process. So like, if I need to develop a curriculum, I know how to do it. I know how to lay it out. I know I got a book, one of those book things with the ribbon on the end. Like I know the, the machines to get. There's just so much about being a businesswoman that I learned from her, even filing, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's just the littlest things, but they all matter. What do you hope your daughter learns from you? I hope Kijana learns from me how to maintain who she is while maneuvering through this thing called life. And I hope she learns to find her passion and to not let anyone distract her from that. I hope she learns just how to love herself and love her community and love her God. And then that will help take her to wherever she wants to be and love her mama. She already loves her mama, so... 
clearly, and I've only met her once. <laughs> She's um, my director of operations. I love it. You're an entrepreneur, but you've said the word community um, quite a few times. And you said social entrepreneur. So how do you think about having a lipstick brand in the context of community? Is it really about the people in community feeling better? Is it about inspiring? Is it about giving back? Is it all of those things that you have a... Yes. So like even in my storefront, community is present if anybody's in here or if they're not. So down my hallway, I have um, local artists that display and sell their work from my store. So there's that. And then in my third room, we have um, a young lady named Patrice Smith from the Skin Lab, and she rents out her own suite in lip esteem and she's an uh, advanced esthetician and a makeup artist so she's we graduated from the same school 10 years apart but she's from rondo and she always wanted to have a place in rondo so if i have that then go ahead because then she can learn from me and her customers can be my customers and we we can win that way Mm-hmm. But also, I do a lot of work, not a lot, but some work with the local community colleges and St. Kate's, about to work with U of M, just when they're entrepreneurship programs and speaking to those young people who are wanting to do something similar to, to me. My intern that I'm getting next month is from St. Kate's. She's She wants a beauty brand. Mm-hmm. Why not teach the next generation on how to be successful? And the community is Rondo. So, I mean, that's everything. Well, let's talk about Rondo because there might be people that are listening that have no idea what Rondo is or means to, to you or to our community. So can you say a little bit about Rondo? So Rondo was an African-American community in St. Paul that in the early 60s, the state decided to put Highway 94 right in the middle of the neighborhood. And so it split the Black neighborhood, all Black neighborhood. We had 300 businesses and 700 home Black, 300 Black-owned businesses and 700 Black families were displaced by the freeway. And so a lot of parents and grandparents had to go into the outskirts of town. And so that's where, in that neighborhood is where I grew up and raised my daughter. And in that neighborhood is where as a single mom, I could go outside, go to the grocery store and see one of the elders and they would embrace me or talk to me or play with my daughter. And it was it, it was community. It helped, it helped me learn how to be from a 20 year old young lady into a woman into how to have respect for my community and how to be a good citizen. And I learned all of that in Rondo. And so I give much respect to this neighborhood because it helped me to be who I am today. And that's why I wanted my store there so that other young people, when they come up, they can have, they can be influenced by a black business owner from this community. As a, as a Northsider who he'll still resides here, I understand all of what you're saying, right? It brings such pleasant memories. And I've often shared that, you know, a lot of my work has been in my, in my spirit to raise the, the multiple truths and narratives that exist within community, that we often talk about urban community or Black community from a lens of deficit. But this is a community that raised me, that poured into me, that those neighbors and those elders and those community gatherings and the just the, the streets that are familiar and the houses when my mom and I would drive down as a kid and they'd be like, you know, that's Miss Martin's house. You know, yeah. you, know you remember my friend where her grandma's sister's auntie lives there. And you're like, yeah. I don't know none of these people. And it used to just work my nerves as a young person. But as I've gotten older and do the same thing, it's because we've been connected through generations. Yeah. And that means something. And it means more than any negative description that could ever be placed on community. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I really appreciate the efforts that are happening in Rondo yeah. to continue the legacy and the history of home ownership and entrepreneurship. Yes. Right. To continue the legacy of we're better together. Um, and I think there are many communities across this country that could be inspired by what's happening in the Rondo neighborhood of St. Paul right now. Amen to that. I mean, we are better together. And if anybody says any different, run. <laughs> run. They're not your people. <laughs> not your people. Man, okay. So as we close, my question lately has been, what is bringing you hope? Oh, what's bringing me hope is knowing that I'm just at the beginning of my race. I haven't completed it. There's so much more for me to do and for me to learn. And there's so many doors that I'm excited to kick in so that the people behind me can come through. I'm just excited about where I see our community. Our community is growing stronger and stronger. And I love to be a part of it. I'm just, I I just see so much beauty coming from so much trauma and drama that it's just, it's just exciting. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be helpful in any way possible. And if, if people have dreams, just do it. It may be the timing of it all, but if you dream it and you continue to dream it, it must be something to it. So don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen in your timing. It will. It will happen. Tamika Jones, Lip Esteem, thank you so much for being part of this conversation. I have not been to the storefront, but I am committed to getting there. I will I will come. I think that it is a, a place to, to, to at least pay attention to, to be inspired by the personal story and journey. I love that you have ambassadors across the state that that go from fair to brownish, right? The, to the brown. Yeah. Like, I love the spectrum. I love the idea that you have um, people that love the brand that look like you and those that don't, that you are creating inclusion by being yourself and staying true to who you are. And in that, in the spirit of that, you bring space for other people to be themselves with you and your product. So congratulations. Thank you so much for inspiring all of us. If I take a lesson out of this conversation, it is to ask for what you need and let your network work on your behalf. Let let, let people co-conspire with your dreams. That's it. Thank you so much for having me, Shonda. Thank you again. This is Shonda Smith-Baker from Conversations with Shonda. And you just listened to a conversation with Tamika Jones from Lipistine. Thank you for tuning in to Conversations with Shonda. That was Tish Jones and our wonderful host, Shonda Smith-Baker. Also, if you'd like to listen to previous episodes featuring guests such as Dr. Yusuf Salam, Robin D'Angelo, Heather McGee, Ibram X. Kendi, and many others, you can find all of the podcast episodes on conversationswithshonda.org. C-H-A-N-D-A. Don't miss out on these incredible conversations. Check them out today.